1: This is the, uh, this is the lost episode. Yeah, the
2: error not returned episode. This is the, the, you, yeah. you know where I was going. This I is did. episode 404. Yeah.
1: This is, uh, not likely to be found. Don't search for it. We're yeah. not even going to put any search terms, key terms, <laughs> hashtags, uh, uh, for this episode. But we are, uh, going to have David Silverman here as our special guest. So David, welcome. Hey,
3: thanks for having me on the show, guys. I appreciate being here.
1: Absolutely. David Silverman, uh, I think everybody in the community probably knows David Silverman is the, uh, President of the American Atheists. Now he didn't win the general, like he didn't he didn't yeah, actually get no, more no. votes. Electoral college got through David the Electoral in. College, yeah. he was able to secure yeah. his position.
2: <laughs> Big pull in California for oh, David. Gerrymandering
3: is a good thing. <laughs> gerrymandering <laughs> is a real thing. It is in Oklahoma where we're having a
2: convention, <laughs> I'll tell you that much. Holy
1: shit. Uh, Man, I'm just glad you hired all those illegal immigrants yeah, to vote. That's absolutely. those are the they may not be the atheists that exist, but yeah. they're the atheists we need. Yeah. So I don't,
3: how does that it's work? Not just hiring the illegal immigrants to vote is to having them, having them vote several times in multiple right. different States under assumed. names <laughs> from dead people.
2: Absolutely. All those Catholic Mexicans came in and voted. That- you? <laughs>
1: uh, uh. Uh, well, yeah, thanks again for uh, agreeing to be on our show. Um, we want to talk to you about, uh, the, the recent death of Billy Graham, it's not, yeah. I know we all want to celebrate. Anyway, Billy Graham, <laughs> no, that's bad.
3: We don't celebrate we don't when somebody celebrate dies. you don't
2: celebrate that, Tom. That's rude. You mourn. I you mourn. Am not-
3: yeah, I, I, not, I don't celebrate and I don't mourn, but I, I do mourn the legacy that he leaves behind. And I think it's our responsibility to make sure that the legacy that he leaves behind is accurate and that he's not some elevated super martyr of the of the beautiful Christian American race. I I can't say that I mourned at all when he died. Um, But I do hope that people remember uh, the disgrace that he was and the negative force that he was on American politics and American culture.
1: I want to ask about that idea of not, and I, I know I said it in jest, but not celebrating when someone dies, but if somebody is causing harm, you know, and I think, I think we can argue here. And I think we will in a moment that Billy Graham was not, he was not a man who did not cause harm. Right. And if somebody is causing harm to people. All jokes aside, like, like is it? Isn't it okay to celebrate? Maybe, maybe, that they're gone? maybe not
2: celebrate, but certainly, certainly, breathe a sigh of relief. But I mean, but honestly, why not be celebratory? Why not, like, look, that harm is gone.
1: People will be better off now, right? There will be like this. This guy who is preaching to an incredibly large audience, right? Billy Graham has been called America's preacher. He's one of the best-known evangelists of. In, in, in American history. He's got an incredible following. He's spoken to incredibly influential people. His views matter more than our views. Yeah. But and, he and just collectively, it
3: was already not a threat when he died. I celebrated more when Scalia died than when Billy Graham died. He was already, <laughs> yeah. so we can celebrate.
1: We can celebrate when people No, I'm being so, Like we can celebrate when shitty people die. Yeah. Like, can we
3: do that? Uh, Uh, You you, you feel how you feel, folks. Uh, You you can't. (laughs) Um, (laughs) uh, uh, Certainly, when when people who are doing bad die, there is a sense of relief. And I don't think there's anything wrong with feeling what you feel about that. I think that is the responsibility of the human. Who, uh, as far as the legacy that you leave behind, and you know, uh, when people die, uh, people are going to feel relief. People are going to feel happiness and sadness, and that's all a reflection on the individual. And yeah, um, I, I I certainly felt a certain sense of a certain sense of relief, but not a lot. I mean, I would have felt more relief if he had died twenty years ago. I would have felt more relief if he had died before doing all the damage that he did to to the American fabric. Um, I would have, I would have helped, it would have helped if he had died a long time ago. Uh, I think if there was a God, he would have died a long time ago. Uh, <laughs> but in, in reality, it's 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 certainly, you know, you, if you feel what you feel, we have to allow ourselves to feel the authentic feelings that we feel. And, you know, it, it. there's no shame in however you feel. I think you can do what you want and you can feel what you want. And I think that, um, yeah, I mean, I, I can't tell you that I wasn't happy when Scalia died. I can't tell you that. OK, because there was a big part of me that was I celebrated to a point
2: uh, you don't celebrate. Yep. Yeah, spot. I was super excited. Yeah. Gorsuch was going to get in. I yeah. was very excited. <laughs> I was so excited. I was like, man, what we need is Neil Gorsuch. Yeah. And I can't wait for them to procrastinate, to put somebody in the for nine for months. nine months. But anyway, yeah, sorry. I Interrupted Did you go. No, go ahead. No, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, for sure. That
3: wasn't procrastination, my friend. That was delaying. That was the long game. That <laughs> right. was uh,
2: right. That was, that was Mitch McConnell being
3: that was Mitch McConnell being somebody I won't mourn when he dies either.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. Yeah.
1: So Billy Graham, you said, you know, he would have been 20 years ago. It would have been more influential had he passed. What I want to talk about what you think his legacy is. Um, but I, I think also, um, do you think when these guys, you know, when, when somebody like this passes, is more weight and attention given to the ideas of somebody who has previously sort of faded away from the, the, the global stage or the national stage? So in other words, is he going to experience a kind of uh, renaissance in his death in terms of like his ideas or his glorification?
3: Well, there's the the other variable to that is the number of people who are going to profit from it in one way or another. Right. Uh, I think Franklin Graham is going to definitely profit from his father's death. I think um, Donald Trump is going to definitely profit from Billy Graham's positive legacy and laying in honor in the rotunda. I think um there are a lot of people who are going to profit from this and so they will take the most positive things that he ever said and blow them up and put him up as a martyr. In doing so, he'll they'll garner all the Christian rights support, which is what the Trump administration has been doing since they came into power, since he came into power. And uh, on the backside, um, they will allow this this legacy to grow and fester and you know. Back, um, back off of the stuff that that he said that, you know, that, that really hurt the country. And so I think it threatens this country when people like this are allowed to have a one-sided legacy. I think it threatens this country when people are called things like America's pastor. Uh, I think it threatens freedom. I think it threatens the, se- the separation of church and state. I think it threatens threatens the fabric of America uh, when a pastor is elevated to a point of honor simply for being a pastor, simply for being a purveyor of lies that people believed en masse. Uh, This is not a good person. Billy Graham was not a good person. He was not a positive force for America. He was a positive force for the worst of America. He was a positive force for the people who are still supporting President Trump. Uh, but he is not a positive force for us. He's not a positive force for America. And I really wish um, Paul Ryan and the other members of Congress had decided differently uh, with the elevation of this um, well, this professional scam artist.
4: So
1: why do you think he was such a bad guy? Like, what what is it about his legacy? How do you think he should be remembered?
3: This is a man who had power. This is a man who had the the government's ear. This is a man who had the president's ear. And this is a man who spoke against Jews. This is a man who spoke against gays. This is a man who spoke against women. This is a man who spoke against atheists. This is a man who spoke against everybody who didn't align with his Christian values. This is a man who who pushed our presidents in a direction away from the Separation of church and state, personally, over and over again, and with vigor and with money and with power. This is a man, this is a person who could have been a force for good, but instead chose to be a force for evil, a force against the separation of church and state and religious equality and um, feminism in favor of a misogynistic, patriarchal lie that made him a lot of money and power. And, uh, you know, This is the epitome of somebody using religion for the detriment of this fellow of their fellow citizen uh, for their personal gain. Uh, This is not a good person, and it's a shame that we're talking about somebody who is now lying in honor um, with the same honors as Rosa Parks. That's 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 a horrible thing, and it it, it should make everybody who's listening to this angry. Uh, The fact that he got um, the same honor as a black woman activist. Uh, hero from the civil rights era is, is ridiculous. That's like the opposite of what she was. And he got the same honor. It, it's it's ridiculous. And it's insulting. I mean, uh, it, it's insulting to everybody who, who, who thought that lying in honor was a great honor for, for Ms. Parks. Now that honor has been sullied.
2: What Do you think that this is sort of Trump paying the Christian right back for the evangelical vote?
3: of course that's all this is uh, and and paying in advance for their support in the future right. as he goes through the Russia investigation and uh, all of the other um uh, crimes that he's going to be yeah <laughs> i
4: know all, all yeah. the yeah. shit he's going to everything
1: else that he's done yeah. this is like this is his indulgences this yeah. is the evangelical format of of indulgences i'm going to buy ahead of time so that i can yeah. i'm going to i'm going to prepay this credit card yeah, exactly <laughs> well, yeah,
3: but i mean think think about think about um The way—what he's doing to the school systems, what he's doing to the science system, Uh, everything that he is doing is hurting um, the separation of church and state. And this man doesn't give a crap about the separation of church
2: and state. No, no. He
3: doesn't care about Christianity. This is not a Christian. He was asked what what his favorite line from the Bible (laughs) was, and he couldn't name— John 3.16. He couldn't name Genesis 1. He had no idea in his first interview. This man is not a believer. He is totally, my personal opinion, an atheist. And we have to own this. And we have to see this man for what he is, an atheist with no morals. Unfortunately, he's the worst we have to offer. He's an atheist using religion for his personal gain. And here it is laid out in front of you. You You think Billy Graham ever did anything for Donald Trump? Billy Graham, Donald Trump barely knew that Billy Graham existed. Yeah. Bill, yeah. Donald Trump didn't give a squat. Billy, Donald Trump never listened to a word of Billy Graham and said, Wow, I got to do what that guy says. That
2: never happened. <laughs> yeah. 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 But it's interesting, lying- though, but, but Trump has had priests and pastors come to the White House and lay hands on him. They've surrounded him, they've prayed around him. And if you listen to the the, 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 the TV preachers that are now taking the mantle of what Billy Graham was, you know, you, li- you listen to Baker, you listen to, I know, several others, and they'll all say he's anointed by God and how holy he is and how, you know, how we need to protect him. That's the, that's the plan. And it's
3: not a new plan. Lots of people, lots of, uh, de- uh, of rulers and despots and, and really bad people in charge have used religion to legitimize themselves and to protect themselves from onslaught. And this is what Trump is doing. He, he gave he gave Bessie DeVos to the Christian right. He didn't care about the education system. He put in a religious right person. He put in a religious right person everywhere he can. Jeff Sessions. Look at yeah. him. Yeah, this yeah is, Jeff. This is Scott not Pruitt. Yeah. Yeah. Scott Pruitt. This is not something he cares about. He cares about the ramifications. Yeah, right. Look, at Pence. look, I mean, yeah, Pence is the Pence most cares.
2: religious right person you can get. That's his vice president.
3: Right. Yeah. 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 And then that's the scary thing. That's the Donald Trump insurance policy, oh. because I don't know. You know, the, the big debate is who would be worse, Trump or Pence. Yeah. And the answer is, I don't know.
1: Yeah. <laughs> God, I feel like I do know, though. I feel like I feel like Trump is worse just because he's so unknown. I, I just, he's, he's, he's such a bizarre unknown, uh, quantity. Like at least Pence is a politician, you know who he is. He's horrible, but you know who he is. You know what he stands for. You can predict
2: to some degree what he wants. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I I feel like he's at least to some point predictable and people who are predictable are easier to understand and sometimes even easier to control because their motivations are more out there. Whereas I think Trump's more, only motivation is I want to win whatever winning means in the moment.
2: Yeah. Winning yeah.
1: that version of winning for him constantly evolves yeah. and changes. Absolutely. And that's the part that yeah. that's the part that yeah. freaks me out.
3: I think the the real thing yeah. that we need to keep our eyes on is the 2018 and the 2020 elections. I think um, what we really have to understand is that this battle we just got kicked in the teeth, okay? We had eight good years of Obama, and everybody was complacent, and everybody was confident. And um we got kicked in the teeth. Uh, and what I have to, I think, instead of saying, who would be better should Trump get impeached, I think we should look at Trump and Pence as a package and say, okay, we have to fight this in four years. We have to fight this in 2020. Yeah. Uh, and I think the atheist population, which is about 27%, undervoted dramatically at about 14% of the voting population. Is the atheist community that that high? Yeah, well, yes. If you actually put the correct definitions to people, yes, we're 27% of the population. I write about this in my book, Fighting God, where you can actually look at the people. The the, the problem is that 90% of America's atheists don't call themselves atheists, and this is our problem. If you don't have a belief in a god, you're an atheist. If you don't have a belief in a god and you hate the word atheist, you're still an atheist. Yeah. <laughs> and you still have and you still have the social responsibility to call yourself an atheist and I go into this in detail in the book as to why it's important for atheists to call themselves atheists and one of them is that people look at the charts and they say, "Oh, we're not not, we're not 27% atheists. We're 2% atheists and 4% agnostic and yeah. 3% secular other and 4% secular rationalistic humanists and 3%. These are all atheists.
1: Right. And yeah. we have to
3: understand that. And we have to understand and own the fact that when we are atheists and we don't call ourselves atheists, we make the job easier for the Donald Trumps of this world we need to start calling ourselves what we are. You stop yielding to the bullshit that religion has pushed us on, pushed on us since we were kids. A lot of people don't realize, especially atheists, that religion heaped on a whole bunch of indoctrination on us as children. And when you dismiss the god, you're not done. The rest of the indoctrination is still in there, and it includes lies such as religion is good, religion has a place, religion has a purpose, religion is worthy of protection. And because of that indoctrination that we don't even know about, we stick to these euphemisms like, "Oh well, I'm I'm sure about lots of things, but I'm an agnostic about the about the man in the sky. I'm a secular, rationalistic humanist. I say those words because." Nobody knows what they are, so I can get by. And and folks, you know, the, the time in our lives when we can just sit back and yield to that pressure, yield to that indoctrination is over. We need to really understand that religion is shit and deserves to die. It really does. It needs to die. And good people fight religion to kill it dead, just like good people fight against all other lies and cons and scams that hurt a people. And Kill it dead, and this is something that we need to understand. And when we say, "Oh well, I'm not an atheist, I'm an agnostic, I'm a secular, this, I'm a that, but I'm a nun, I'm an unbeliever," you are just kowtowing to the religious indoctrination. You're helping religion when you do that, because look, let me put the, the the bow on this, okay? Ninety percent, and I'm speaking with, I'm I'm speaking from statistically valid quantitative data that I have in my book, Fighting God. I only speak when I speak quantitatively, I know how to use quantitative data, 90% approximately of Americans know what an atheist is, or at least they have a functional definition of what an atheist is, 90%. That means if you say you're an atheist, 90% of the time, you'll for the most part be understood. And I want to make this clear, very, very clear, folks, 90% of this country does not have a functional definition of the word freethinker or humanist. That means you have a 90 percent chance of being misunderstood if you call yourself a humanist or a freethinker. But so many of us do because it's more socially acceptable, but it's more socially acceptable because 90 percent of the nobody country what doesn't it means. know what it means. <laughs> what it means.
1: <laughs> right. You're just going to obfuscate and, your truth you know, so that nobody calls you out and you yeah. don't have, to have that awkward, you know, dinner party moment. stuff. Right. That
3: awkward stuff is the activism. Right. That's the change I am wearing. I don't you can't see it right now, but I'm wearing a very atheist shirt right now. And I was just out uh, shooting some darts and this and the waitress came up and took my picture of my shirt and and sent it to her friends because my shirt is obvious. My shirt doesn't say free thinker on it. My shirt doesn't <laughs> say humanist on it. OK, people respond to what they understand and what they know. And when you hide behind words you're pretending you're communicating right oh well i fit into the secular rationalistic humanist uh word so i'm going to call myself that and you're pretending that you're you're selling the truth but you're not you're hiding from the truth. You're pretending to communicate when you're not really communicating because 90% of the people that you're talking to have no idea what you're saying. And the 10% that do are already inside the movement. So you're just giving a, a, a an inside joke instead of being an activist. And activism is what we need right now, folks. We need atheists, people who don't have a belief in a God, to call themselves atheists. If you don't have a belief in a God, you're an atheist. If you don't have a belief in a God and are well aware of the fact that you don't know everything in the universe you are an atheist. If you don't have a belief in a God and like the secular trappings of some of the, religious, of, of the religion that you were brought in, you are an atheist. If you don't like the word atheist, but you don't have a belief in a God, you're still an atheist and you have a social responsibility to say it because that's the word that people understand. What
2: do you say to Neil deGrasse Tyson? Neil deGrasse Tyson oh. has many times said that he is not an atheist. He has pushed back on that term. He has pulled away from it and has reared away from it. What do you say to Neil, Neil deGrasse Tyson? He is
3: wrong. He is wrong. <laughs> yeah. uh, and I love the man and I am a big fan of his and you can be a bit, and I, you know, nobody is perfect. And Dr. Tyson is a brilliant guy. Dr. Tyson is not an atheist activist. He is a science activist. He is making a call to push science instead of atheism. But in doing so, he is yielding to the people that are pushing against science by trying to legitimize people who are religious. And that's the wrong wrong answer. What he should be doing is saying, this is how cool science is. Religion is holding it back. I am devoid of all the religion, and you should be too. And that's how it should be done. Because that's moral, that's ethical, and that's that's communication. And by the way, that's also the truth.
1: Yeah. Can Can I ask you? Think? I mean, my my guess is that 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 is thought of as being more pragmatic, right? And I and I agree with you on a principle standpoint. But my my feeling is that, like Neil deGrasse Tyson, has become this sort of um, beloved science figure across um, across a lot of boundaries. I'm not sure he'd be able to cross and purvey his message. If he were openly atheist,
3: I understand that, and I see that point, and I acknowledge that point, and that has not been tested, and it is assuming that Christianity is worse than it is. It's it's giving away to the what is essentially Christian terrorism. Don't tell anybody you're an atheist or you'll lose your career is not a reason to yield to that kind of terrorism. That's wrong to him, for him to do that. He is a famous man. He is a well-established man. Yeah, but do you he think he would have gotten as famous?
1: Do you, I, I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm just playing here. and I don't great, know the it's answer. a Great
3: question. It hasn't stopped Bill Nye. That's is Bill. I didn't know Bill I, Nye yeah, was openly did, atheist, so I didn't know. So I didn't know.
2: Yeah.
3: I'm pretty sure he is. He spoke at the Reason Rally.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, I guess you would kind of have yeah. to. be <laughs> You don't get you don't get invited yeah, to the I, stage. I'm not, I'm not
1: pushing on. I'm just yeah. like I said. I'm curious. Right. I didn't know.
2: Let me ask you a question, Dave. What do you think about uh, a people who would say, "Well, look, you know, religion does do a lot of good in the world. It feeds some hungry children. It helps out, and you know, feeds the homeless. I know that atheists do the same thing, but you know, religious groups do this sort of thing and do help people out. What do you say? To, what do you say to that?
3: And I think that's just great, but that is the indoctrination talking. Because the people are doing the the the, the food drives, not the religion. The people are helping the poor, not the religion. If the if, if religion was helping the poor, there would be no multimillion-dollar huge mega churches everywhere. If religion was helping the poor, we would see no more poor, because religion would help. Religion has that much money. Yes, of course, religion can be used to unite people to do a common cause, but as you said, atheists do it too. So where is the actual value add for religion? Um, they lie that's the that's what that's what religion does they lie that's what religion is. It is a lie. So if wonderful people can use religion to help the poor, then wonderful people can just help the poor without pushing the lie of god
1: so let let me ask you a question um it's it's sort of related. Um, there's been a lot going on in the atheist community lately, right? Where some of our sort of more prominent leaders um, have been embroiled in controversy. Um, there have been some that have committed some, it sounds like some pretty bad actions. You're talking yeah. about the responsibility to um, activism. And and I'm curious about your thoughts around, if you're a leader in the atheist community, and you clearly are, right? You're the president of the American Atheist. So you're a leader in this community. What responsibility do we have to call out our own or to comment on our own.
3: We have a big responsibility for that. And we have a big responsibility for us to not protect those who do wrong.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
3: we have a big responsibility to, uh, you know, uh, the other side is, you know, don't convict without whatever, but, uh, I believe the victims and I believe multiple reports and I don't, Platform people who don't deserve to be platformed, and I think that's part of my responsibility. Um, I think that uh, we have, as a group, the responsibility to provide a welcoming atmosphere, an atmosphere free of harassment, an atmosphere free of hostility, an atmosphere that welcomes all people of all gender expressions and all walks of life, uh, except for those who are bigoted. And um, I think it's you know it's difficult when um uh, it's difficult when people you like and respect do bad things. and you know it's it's still a real thing though. And you know, I'm very, very proud of the fact that American atheists was uh, the first, I believe, the first, major organization in American atheism to pass or to create and to use a comprehensive code of conduct and a comprehensive sexual harassment policy with the resources dedicated to protect the convention attendees. And when I instituted that uh, policy, like I said, we were the first to do it when we instituted that uh, certain people in the movement um, didn't like it and certain people were vocal against it. And um, isn't that crazy that people like push back on that? And, you like, know, that what? seems insane. And and here's the thing, folks. Uh, uh, some of those people don't come to our conventions anymore. Right. Some of those people won't speak at our conventions and haven't spoken at our conventions since that policy was invo- was uh, placed on, in effect. And I'm not a problem. I don't have a problem with that.
1: Can I ask uh, you, I think- do you feel like there's like a uh, like that we're in a time in our movement, you know, talking about activism? And I and I think um, do you feel like there's a time that we're in a, in a place in our movement? um where there's a real sharp schism that's that's occurring um that, and I, I don't even know if it's um i don't know if it's fixable between the the sort of folks who are on the side that you're you're kind of advocating which is like hey you know th- th- there are some real issues we need to address them we need to call them out we need to shine a light we need to create safe um places for people to go and explore ideas and to interact with each other um and then on the on the other side there seems to be this this uh, you know Free speech protects the worst speech, kind of folks um, that are like uh, very, very aggressive. There's even like a tremendous number. I'm sure you're seeing it online too of folks that are, um, you know, kind of claiming a mantle of atheist alt right, um, for lack of a better term or terminology. That the the movement seems split right now. Do you do you get that same sense? And how do you, if, if so, like how do you reconcile it?
3: Uh, and it's hard because a lot of this is really reliant on nuance when we're talking about people who are you know when we talk about the free speech um, the free speech argument i think what i'm trying to do with american atheists is create an environment where speech is honored but speech which frankly is not productive to community free speech which is not productive to um, just being nice uh, i'm not putting it on I'm not putting it on the dais. Right. I'm not putting it on. I'm not putting it on. Gotcha. Okay. Um, I have the, the convention is coming up at the end of this month, March 29th through April 1st. And the unofficial theme for our convention is hearts plus brains minus assholes. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and, and that's what we're doing at American Atheists. We're trying to, I'm, I'm not trying to stifle speech, but I am telling people that you should be nice. If you come to an American atheist convention, you should be welcoming, and you should be good, and you should be uh, not bigoted and not a frickin' Nazi, and and, and, and you should be, <laughs> yeah. and you should have empathy, and you should have compassion for your fellow human. And if you're a person who has done things that uh, are anti compassion and anti uh, empathy, uh, well, I hope you get some compassion and get some empathy, and then come to our convention, and your and redemption is a real thing. And it's important that we have redemption in our community because we have such a fractured community. So if somebody says something or does something or has an opinion that's that's, well, frankly, anti-humanistic or 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 just unethical, they have to be allowed to uh, to come to their senses and come and hear the other side and be welcomed back. Um, it is not okay to be a bad person in my opinion. Um, it is not okay to help a bad person or to hide a bad person in my opinion. And what is a bad person? And again, it's, it just comes down to my qualitative opinion of, of and our qualitative opinion as a collective body, uh, of, of, being supportive and being nurturing and being welcoming to women and and LGBT folks and, and, and LGBTQ folks and, and and people of color. And, and if you're not welcoming to that, then you're not welcome at an American atheist convention. And if you're not um, uh, a person who supports uh, equality then we're not going to be putting you up on stage. If you're a person who thinks that it's funny to send a rape tweet to somebody who's experienced sexual assault, we're not going to put you up on stage. And we hope you think about where you are and, and maybe get some compassion and empathy and then come back. Because, yeah, we have a lot of schisms in this in this community. We have a lot of diverse ideas, and we don't have time for those things to break us up. And people are just kind of finding themselves and they're finding their way through their own ethics. And, you know, there's this there's this concept of, of protection from being offended, which is not real. But how that's affecting other people, it is real. And then in that same argument conflated with that same argument is people who are using the free speech idea to be really bad people yeah yeah and and that's that's not free that that is freedom of speech and you're allowed to have that speech and you're allowed to say it and freedom of ideas yada yada put it out there and and, and be prepared for the for the backlash Yep, yeah.
2: it's not freedom of comfort consequences that's for sure it's
3: not freedom of consequence and it's not freedom of judgment and it's not freedom to get on the american atheist stage and spew it
2: yep yep
1: absolutely not so, so let me ask you this: So in in a time that we so we're going through there's all this going on. The community is kind of in um, at the at the very best. It's in a place of transition. I think that there's some argument to say that there's um, some turmoil that's taking place in our community. How does something like the American Atheists um, fit into that? And and how do your how does your convention help bring people together?
3: Well, that's a great question because again we <laughs> have a, ni- a, a a nice comprehensive sexual harassment policy. Um, you know, and it's 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 a shame that that members of our community have have um, have done things which would forbid them from coming, and it's unfortunate. Um, but we have a convention which is positive and harassment negative and welcoming, and that's. Uh, something that, that that's one of the things that we're trying to build is that community, a community of compassion. People don't really understand that firebrand atheism is built around compassion. It's built around love. It's built around respect for your fellow person. And that's what the American, how is that
1: missed? Can I, can I interrupt you real quick? How the fuck did that get missed? You know, if you look at like the writings of of and of, of of the any of like the big firebrand atheists, like whether you agree with all the things they said or didn't say, or whether they've become problematic since, I don't even guess I care. But like you look at a guy like let's take Hitch because he's fucking dead and he can't defend himself. But you take a guy like yeah. Hitch, a quintessential firebrand atheist, and that guy was mad because people were hurt. Yeah, people. He were was injured. mad yeah, because yeah. like that at the bottom at the at the, what what underlie all of that like wonderful vitriol and firebrand, like at the bottom of all of that was this deep seated love of other people of empathy and like, and really like a fury at those who would oppress and hurt other people. And somehow like, like there's a huge group of people who just see like, look at him, say things that are mean, isn't that fun. Let's be mean too. And they miss the whole empathy, compassion, love. like They miss all of it. They miss what underlies the the whole thing. And I don't understand how that could even
3: be the case, but it just is the case. you've got two forces going there. First, you've got religion saying that atheism is angry, okay? And you've got him saying uh, things that are anti-religious, that are uh, anti what religion says is good. And so religion says that he's angry. And so religion says that it's all about anger. And then the other side is that these people who are just fresh off from religion, who legitimately are angry about religion, angry at religion, um, and they latch on to him and they're still angry at religion. They don't see the, the passion. They don't see the love underneath. And I think that's one of the things that, that firebrand atheism really needs to highlight. And that is that, that, Being a firebrand atheist is an act of compassion. It is an act of love. It is an act of caring because you're talking to somebody who is injured. You're talking to somebody who is hurt. You're talking to somebody who believes literally in an invisible man in the sky, not because they're stupid, not because they're moron, but because they're victims of the indoctrination that all of our parents were subjected to. And we were subjected to for the most part too. And there but for dumb luck go we. So we're not, Talking about stupid people, we're talking about people who need our help. And if we don't stand in front of them and say, "No, your truth is not your truth. Your truth is false. My truth is actually truth." Let's talk about the difference between truth and falsehood. Because I'm not going to tell you that your religion is good. I'm not telling to tell you that your religion is valid. It is not good. It is not valid. It is a lie. It is a scam. And you're a victim. And if you don't say that to them, nobody will. And that's important because it's our job to deliver this information. It is our job as good people. And yes, I know it sounds religion-y when I say it like that. It's still true, because we <laughs> do have the truth. We do have, the truth has, the word truth has meaning. And the word, the way religion uses it is not meaningful. The word truth has meaning. And that meaning is that it conforms, it conforms with everything else that we know in the world to be true. And yes, it's a bit of a tautology, but it is what it is. That which is true conforms to everything that we know to be true. And religion is not. There is nothing in what we know to be true that supports a being that is never born and never dies and can create matter and energy with his brain. It's not a <laughs> real thing.
1: <laughs> so I, I, I have I have, a, I have another question sort of related. The, the So we have the social responsibility as atheists. Um as, as atheists with a voice, so if you've, got a pod, if you've got a podcast or a blog, do you have a responsibility then as a leader? What, what, how, when, at what point does your atheism translate into a responsibility toward
3: activism? If you have the ability, you have the responsibility, as far as I'm concerned. If you're, if you're a person who, can, who is in the place where you can call yourself an atheist and not get hurt by it much. You have the responsibility. Everybody has a responsibility to a point, okay? And and we all have different levels of privilege, and we all have different layers of privilege. And somebody who has uh, a lot of privilege, like myself, who is not under any sort of threat at all. If I'm coming out as if if I come out as an atheist, if like I mean, even before when I was a a professional inventor at Bell Labs, uh, I was in a a point of privilege. I was well employed. I was well solid. I was well. locked down. Nobody was going to hurt me. I wasn't going to face any sort of backlash, societal, familial, or, or professional if I came out as an atheist. If you're in that position, you got a responsibility to the people who don't have those privileges to come out as, a, as an atheist. And the people who don't have those privileges, the people who are in, who are locked in a place where they cannot come out, um, they're the beneficiaries of our activism. We're going to make it easier for them eventually. And then there's this people in the middle. And I want to just speak to those people in the middle there. Those people in the middle are people who don't really consider it. The people who think, oh, I can't come out because everybody will kill me. But then when you think about it, no, they won't. There's a whole bunch of people out there who are stuck in this middle ground of, I can't call myself an atheist because my mother will clutch her chest and fall to the ground like Fred Sandler. Okay? But when you probe, you say, do you have anybody, does that, does that fragile mother of yours have anybody else in their, in their family who's an atheist? Oh yeah, my sister's an atheist too. And she knows. no. You're not in that position, you're stuck, okay? And so I ask the vast majority of people, I believe, who are atheists, who don't call themselves atheists, are, in fact, in a position to call themselves atheists publicly, and they don't because they're afraid. And I think they have to go over that fear because there's people in this world, in this country, who are less privileged, by far, who cannot come out, who, if they came out, would lose their jobs, who, if they came out, would lose their family, who, if they came out, would lose their entire circle of friends for real. And the reason that all those things would happen is because the people who can come out today are not, in droves. And the people who do come out, people like you and I who are coming out as atheists, yes, we're helping, but we are too few. And we need the rest of the 90% of America's atheists to come out and call ourselves atheists for the people who can't. And of course, for the political system itself.
2: Is there going to be a way that you're going to be able to tell if the people who show up at your conference are recent like people who recently came out, are you going to, are you going to be able to like do a test at all? Is there any survey at all for those people just to sort of see,
3: I always ask people to raise their hands when okay. I, when I come out yeah. uh, because at the American atheist national convention, it's, it's great. And by the way, you've this convention is going to be a real special thing. And I'll, I'll talk about that in a second, but yes, I usually ask people to raise their hands. Who's who's, and, and, and it's a fun thing to see because you say, okay, who raise your hand if this is your first time. And, you know easily a third of the people raise their hand yeah. and then you can go okay raise your hand if you've been doing this for a year okay 5 years okay 10 years okay 20 years okay 30 years okay 40 years wow. and you've got people raising your hand every time right and people are seeing the breadth of this of this movement uh, and I love that I love people are seeing the longevity of this movement and um, so it, it's it's and and one of the things that we're doing at this convention is specifically for first timers because we're putting billboards up in the city of oklahoma city and we're putting uh, our guest speaker our our keynote speaker front and center on the front uh, of the billboard and i'll tell you about that in a second and we're offering really cheap admission for oklahoma city people oklahoma oh, residents really nice. okay so get in to this event and I'm talking and, and, and folks, I'm not kidding here. If you're an Oklahoma resident, you can come to the American Atheist National Convention for $50 for the weekend.
2: Wow. Oh, wow. That's okay? a great
3: deal. $50 for the weekend. I'd almost
2: consider veteran, becoming an Oklahoma resident. Don't, for, don't talk like okay, that. that. That's, that's true. That's true. I wouldn't do if that. You're,
3: if you're a student, you can come for $50. If you're a veteran or you're simply on low income you can come for $99 for the weekend. And if you're not a veteran or low income or a student, the full price hasn't gone up in two years. We are doing this for a very specific reason. I'm keeping the cost low by far, way below market value for a very, very specific reason. I'll tell you that in a second. Let me tell you about the lineup of this thing. Because not only am we having the lowest prices Low, con, lowest conceivable prices for everybody. We're having our headline speaker is Mr. Hugh Laurie himself, an actual A-list celebrity is coming to our convention and going to speak from the stage. The this if is people Dr. don't know
2: House. he is. That's House from the, the series House. House. Yeah,
3: and from Fry and Laurie, and from Blackadder, and we're talking about one of the most famous actors in the country, in the world, and he's coming to our convention. He is going to be flanked on one side by Mr. Um, by Ms. Inner Shevchenko from the the, the founder and president of FEMAN, which is the topless jihadi protesters from Europe and oh, Asia. That's awesome. who, oh, yeah. And <laughs> uh, Reverend Barry Lynn on the other side. And if you uh, Barry Lynn, of course, the uh, president of uh, the uh, Americans United for the Separation of Church and State for 25 years, he is as close as you can get to the atheist movement without being a part of the atheist movement. And he is um, coming in. And in, in, so. These are three people, along with uh, Mohammed Al-Chadra, who is the founder of the Jordanian Atheists, who is now moving to America because his life is in danger, Um, and uh, the uh, managing director of Scopes, Brooks Binkowski, is also going to be there. So this is going to be a lineup full of people that most people have not heard, most people have not seen. Hugh Laurie. Brooke Binkowski, the managing editor of Snopes, the former president of Americans United for the Separation of Church and State, the leader of Feynman and the founder of the Jordanian Atheists, plus Anthony Magdebosco, plus Yvette Dontremont, plus, plus, plus a whole bunch of other people uh, who are going to bring in some fun and some, char- some some really fantastic speakers to this. But of course, what we're doing here is reiterating the love behind firebrand atheism so we will be doing a charity food packing event for twenty five thousand meals packing at this packing at this event Um, and we're going to be raising money for muhammad al-chadra and we're going to be raising money for a local charity inside uh oklahoma city and the discounted pricing why here's the big picture i want to make a big event I want to make an event that sells out. I want to make an event that is so big that we remember what it's like to be an American atheist convention. I want to remind people what it's like to walk into a room full of a thousand atheists. Not a hundred.
2: Can I give give you just a little bit of advice? Invite Sargon of Akkad. He's a big YouTuber. I don't know if you've heard of him, but... (laughs) That's a joke. Thank you so much for that. advice. I'll take it under consideration. Uh, We do those around here. uh, (laughs)
3: And and if Sargon would like to come, he can get some empathy and get some. (laughs) Ah, Yeah. Uh, uh, Oh, we're going to get some great YouTube comments on
4: this one. (laughs)
3: Redemption is a real thing. uh, And when that happens, that redemption is a real thing. In the meantime, no, he won't be up on our stage, but, but seriously, We are going to create, I'm going to, we, American Atheists, is going to create an event um, that is really, really memorable. And this is not, this is, it's not like an anniversary year. It's our 55th anniversary, but it's not like a huge anniversary year. But it's turning out to be a really huge, special event. We're going to have, I mean, right now, the billboards just went up. We're already two-thirds of the way sold out.
1: Oh, that's awesome. That's great.
3: Yeah, this convention will sell out. And folks, if you've gone to a convention that has had 150 or 200 people, it is not the same as going to a convention with 600, 800, 1,000 atheists or more. It is a very different feeling when you walk into a and you feel that sense of community, that sense of support and everybody's welcoming and the atmosphere is deliberately welcoming and the atmosphere is deliberately anti-sexual harassment, anti, anti-negativity. And we just get around and we, 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 we stew in our positivity and we create <laughs> charity. We're going to be so goddamn happy. You won't <laughs> believe it? it. It's a really, it's a beautiful experience. I remember yeah. in the, um, uh, In the Salt Lake City event back in 2013 or 14, um, we had people—and this is is true, people who were there—we had people standing in the hallways crying because they had never been able to just speak their views out loud. And this is what we're going to be doing in Oklahoma City because there's not only a lot of Christians in Oklahoma City, there's a lot of atheists, and they're alone. And we put Hugh Laurie's picture on a billboard and we said, come to this convention. It's 50 bucks for the weekend. We are going to meet a whole lot of brand new atheists this weekend. We are going to meet a whole bunch of brand new atheists and we are going to energize them and we are going to impress them and we are going to unify them and we are going to leave behind a, 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 an Oklahoma city atheist." contingent that is large and and of critical mass and self-sufficient so that when we leave behind we're going to leave behind an atheist community that is strong and loving and positive and supportive
2: if people were going to go to this conference how would they do it
3: all right so That's the good stuff. The website is atheists.org, A-T-H-E-I-S-T-S dot org. And the actual website is atheists.org slash convention 2018. If you go to atheists.org slash convention 2018, you can register for the convention. You can join as American Atheists. In fact, if you join as American Atheists and get a membership at the same time, you get a discount. Please do that because we need your membership and we need your donations. Oh, and by the way, yes, we ask for money. And let me make sure that something, because people say, oh, you ask for money. It sounds like religion over and over again. We get that. But folks, let me tell you what you won't get, what you will get from American atheists. You won't get from any sort of religion. We get our financials audited every year voluntarily by an independent accounting firm and we publish them on the web. American atheists <laughs> tells you, yeah,
2: yeah. A- the Catholic and we, church we doesn't have, do that. We, yeah, that's for sure. No church does. That. Right.
3: No church does. Right. That because. We're not a religion. We're an activist organization. We have seven employees. We have a whole bunch of wonderful volunteers. We have a building with no debt, no mortgage. We have solar panels on the roof. Your donations buy activism. That's what your membership does. And that's why we need you to help us and support us. Because this convention, while it's going to be huge, is not going to be very profitable. Please help us. Please see what we're doing here and join American Atheists and come and and have a wonderful time at the American Atheist National Convention. It's in Oklahoma City. The Sheraton uh, downtown is where we are. The room block is almost full, but it's not full yet. But the billboards just went up, and so if you have any chance of coming, well, if, if you can, please come. It's uh, March twenty ninth to April first in Oklahoma City, that's and it's Easter going to weekend. Be, that's Easter that's weekend. Easter weekend, and and because atheists have nothing better to do, right? Of course. And the rooms are cheap, and the hotels are cheap. And we can all get together and we can have a spectacular event, low cost. And that's the objective here. High volume, low cost, high empathy, high compassion, high charity, high redemption, and and, and low to zero tolerance for anything negative or harassment low or on negativity the assholes. or any of that crap. Yeah. Yes, no low on the assholes, oh, yeah. that's it. <laughs> high on the hearts, high on the brains, low on the assholes. <laughs>
2: that's, <laughs> that's great, Dave. Dave? Um, we hope to have you on after this event so we can hear how great it was. Um, one of us may be attending. We'll see. We're still trying to figure out, shake that out. Um, but we, we hope that we hope that it goes off as well as it does. Dave, if people were going to find you on the internet, where would they look?
3: Oh, so that's a great question as well. My Twitter handle is at Mr. Atheist Pants, M-R Atheist Pants, which was a handle that, uh, Stephen Colbert called me on his show. So I took it <laughs> I um, and, uh, of course, my Facebook page is uh, slash Dave Silverman. And you can get us at American Atheist at American Atheist on Twitter and Facebook.com at American Atheist online. And one more mention that uh, of my book. My book is called Fighting God. It is now out on paperback. Um, it is... Um, an atheist manifesto for a religious world. It is basically the best review. I've I've gotten a lot of fantastic reviews and thank you so much to everybody who has given me a positive review on this. Uh, The most apt view uh, review, I think in my book comes from Tom Flynn who said that reading fighting God is like getting stuck in an elevator with David Silverman for seven hours.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Dave, you have a great time at your event and uh, and we hope, we hope it turns out wonderful. Thank you so much for joining us today.
3: Thank you so much for having me on. It's been a great time and I'll talk to you very I'll talk to you all very soon.
4: Obama will destroy this nation too. He is a man of destruction, darkness and evil. There may be a year
2: remaining in which you can get out and save your family.
1: This story is also from Right Wing Watch. Far Right radio host claims Barack Obama is forming a private army to assassinate government leaders. So this is Dave Hodges host of the Right Wing Radio program, The Common Sense Show. Um, and he appeared on Sheila Zelinsky's Weekend Vigilante podcast.
2: <laughs> we should have Sheila in studio. Oh, my God. God, how great would that be?
1: That would be. We should have like a whole day where the fucking lunatics show up. Do you know what I miss, by the way? I miss Glenn Beck.
2: Yeah, you know, Glenn Beck used to be real crazy. I don't know what happened. I don't
1: know what, if he's just like not appearing on the radar anymore. He was super nuts
2: for a while. He was. He was. And he he was was like unwell nuts. He was And he was great. Yeah, he was, he was that guy. He was Howard Beale from fucking Network for a while. He was amazing. He was fucking crazy. Yeah.
1: I think, I think I can sympathize with him though, because there came a moment with Trump where he like came to his senses, like legitimately, and then said as much like, oh my God, I was wrong. I, I fucking conflated these things and now I see how yeah. we're conflating these. Like, yeah. he had a whole had a sort of, of self reflective, yeah. revelatory Absolutely. moment. Yeah. yeah. It was kind of awesome to watch yeah. and to have him admit it on air. And now he's just
2: like, not on the crazy train. Yeah. He's not, he's certainly not being watched as hardly, uh, watched as, as, Stringently by these people, the right wing watch people, right? Because I haven't seen him his stuff come up on there. I at think all. if he said something crazy, they'd he'd pop up. Absolutely, I, I think don't think that they know, would. They're, they're, it's know. not like they said you know nothing, but I right. uh, I wonder. You know, I know that they have staffers that that's what they do, right? Like so, sure. the staffers just will watch just watch, watch and then also they probably just take tips, right? If somebody finds something, right. that you they gotta watch, you got to check this, yeah, check yeah, this out. Right. But uh, but I wonder if they. If they monitor his stuff anymore, if they, if like after a certain yeah. point of you not being as Crazy. fucking shit house as you were, because once in a while there'll be a Rush Limbaugh clip. That's true. But I wonder if they monitor Rush every day, or if they just wait for the tipsters to send him a message. Maybe. I wonder how they. We should, they, from watch we should the actually show. ask somebody from Right Wing Watch to come on the show and talk about how they do it. Because <clears throat> God, who would want to sit through Dave Dobynmeier show? The Dave Dobynmeier show every day. Holy shit!
1: That's a that's a fucking. Oh, my gosh. And by the way, where is our little pal Barry Satoro? He's been strangely silent.
4: He is uh, He's not
1: president anymore. (laughs) He's not strangely. Hold on. Why is strangely (laughs) silent? You guys are upset that he's like in the background pulling the fucking strings like a fucking you know, moving everything around like marionettes. You guys are upset when he th- thinking he does that, and then when he's quiet, he's just like, "I'm just not the president." I'm just kind of hanging
2: out on a beach. Like, look at him. He's been real quiet. He's gone dark. What's going he's on? He's gone guys? dark. He's already been dark, Tom. He's been <laughs> dark for a long time. <laughs> he's gone dark. Yeah. Earth. <laughs> uh,
4: pulling together his um, SES, his private army, and I- his private army. I would join that army. I would join the Barry Sotero army. <laughs>
1: If he, I'll I'll just, let me put it out there. Barack Obama. Everybody's just If you want to form a Barry Sotaro or whatever, however it's fucking pronounced, army, and it's your fucking private army, I will join your, you know why I can make that? Uh, Because, and I have no intention of joining any armies, by the way, because there's no
2: way it's going to happen ever. I will say this. If Barry Sotaro, if you do. Form your own private army. I'm only going to join if you have a giant BS patch I can wear. <laughs> That's the only way. What is his boot camp like? I don't, <laughs> is just you have to go be a community organizer. Right? Somewhere. You're just like, oh, you gotta. Oh my god, I gotta. You gotta go sit through a bunch of Jeremiah Wright preacher sessions just fucking Bill Ayers is the I don't sergeant yeah. like yelling at yeah, you Bill Ayers is teaching you how to do uh how to do weather underground bombings
4: <laughs> I have intelligence information I wasn't going to release this but you brought it up in such a timely way I'll say I love
2: this guy like when he says I have intelligence information you've never had anything intelligent in your head <laughs> But he but he makes it sound I like know. he's some kind of like like I've, fucking guy who's plugged into some sort of top secret security shit. You don't have any intelligence information. He is very likely the heir to the budding
1: fortune. Yeah. I'm just saying <laughs> that this is a, this
2: is part throw of that nonsense. A football over the mouth
1: exactly right. In a second, I love because this is like this is how easy he gives up this classified information. Somebody's yeah. like, and whatever happened to Barack Obama? Well, now that you brought yeah, it up, love. you really twisted my arm <laughs> and the cats <laughs> saying, out of the bag.
2: I normally. I'm very tight lipped about these things, but hang on
1: on your radio
2: program. The intelligence community can trust me. Right.
1: I got this classified information. And as long, as long as nobody says the word, hi, (laughs) I'm going to keep this under my belt. (laughs) You know, I can't be, I can't be held responsible. If somebody greets me,
4: Right here and right now, I have sources, and I think one or two of them may go on the record eventually, where Obama's secret military forces, a lot of times we label them the SES, is now partnering with MS-13. And <laughs> hey, hope and change, vato!
2: <laughs> MS-13's driving around, and they're polling door to door, asking people to vote for their Democratic Congress. <laughs> They're helping some old lady in with their groceries. I'll tell you what, man. People would sign that fucking petition. What, it's like it's like that movie Napoleon Dynamite where they all roll up and they like, <laughs> vote for whatever Pedro. that guy Pedro and they like, look at him uh, and he's like, like okay, okay, I got it. I got it. I'm gonna vote whatever it. you want. <laughs> I won't take his bike or beat him up or whatever. Yeah. M <laughs> uh, What the best part is is Barack Obama cholo fight. That's my favorite part when they make his eyebrows all big and shit. I want. What would Trump look like cholified? Oh, Trump! You know, if you're out there and you're a cholifier, give us a Barry Sotoro cholify and give us a Trump cholify. Oh, which one? Send those to us, and we're gonna pick the best one and put it in the show. Who wore it best? It's the
1: cognitive dissonance cholification our war previous
2: fest. leaders <laughs> and I'm saying previous for Trump. Can too. we throw Kim Jong-un yeah. in the mix? Yeah. I think a, I think a chillified Kim Jong-un
1: yeah. would be pretty money. Yeah.
4: And they are going to serve as the fifth column when the United States is involved in war and we will see political. Yeah. The fucking
2: MS 13 is going to be the fifth column in a war. What,
1: what war are we good? <laughs> Aren't we at war with them? Aren't right. They're not, they're not, Serving, no. they're serving against us yeah, in a war? seditious what war act. What are we talking about? But that's the thing. What I mean, in like in their world, this is, this is a seditious act of treason, <sighs> right? And so, but they're serving. Okay, oh, I'm gonna kill
4: myself. Moving on.
1: Why would they do that anyway? They're from fucking El Salvador.
4: <laughs> Assassinations of law enforcement, uh, of political opposition people. It'll be the same kind of purge that Hitler put upon the communists uh, when he burned down the Reichstag. This is what what is coming, and this is but what be pe- so
2: hilarious to see the MS13 like banging on politicians' doors and dragging <laughs> them out of their house, and not hilarious in a way that it would be funny to see someone hurt. Hilarious in the way that it's not going to fucking happen. It's not going to happen because those guys couldn't drive into the neighborhoods that
1: politicians no live without shit, getting stopped right? by the police. Those guys show up. Yeah, like they couldn't get they
2: could get two blocks into these fucking communities. Yeah, the gated getting- neighborhoods. Oh, right. Yeah. Are you kidding, Are you kidding me? me? They're gonna yeah, show up. But they're just gonna push right past the Secret Service outside, too. No problem. Yeah.
4: Oh my god. When you're god. a
2: cholo, they just let you through. Just right in yeah.
4: there. People who are close to this tell me is coming, and Obama is at the center of it. Now, what he hopes will happen, and this is something that I've also been told, is that if the United States goes under the United Nations as a protector because we're in chaos and they take us over in a martial law move, that what the
1: fuck are you talking about? The UN, how the the fuck does that even happen? The United Nations has never done that once ever, even in places it should. Right? right. Like the United Nations is an impotent group of letter writers. They don't give a shit about anybody. They can't accomplish anything. They show up, they write a letter. They all fucking build a new headquarters once in a while. They piss and moan about things. They don't ever do anything. And there, there have been country after country. There are countries right now. There are countries, there are nations right now. That are in such incredible turmoil their people are dying by the hundreds and thousands there are people starving to death all over the world we don't care the United Nations doesn't swoop in and take them under their fucking yep. gentle wing as a black helicopter owning protectorate it's we didn't do we're not we, we don't do this more than we don't do anything else we don't do this with a hundred percent likelihood and accuracy we don't do this always
2: yeah. well you don't do it in places where you know there's a crazy religious faction that is overrunning the nation and slaughtering people by the hundreds like they were throughout the entire Middle East, like through ISIS, like ISIS was throughout the the entire Middle East. They don't do that anywhere. They don't do it. We didn't do it in Rwanda. We didn't do it in Liberia. We don't don't do it in Syria. Yeah, We're not doing this in Yemen right now. We're not doing this anywhere. Yep. They didn't. And so like this idea that you're just like, oh, they'll just come right into the United States and just be like, yeah, hey guys, we're just going to take you over. Oh, hi, I'm
1: the United Nations. I'm here to take over the United States. Really?
2: Because we're the biggest contributor to that. Yeah. And also, how did we overcome the nuclear missiles again? (laughs) How did MS-13 do that?
4: that? What we'll see is Obama installed as The leader of the United States under UN protectorate laws. God, you're scared.
1: They are so afraid of Obama. Still, can you imagine that guy could die, and they would be afraid of zombie Obama? (laughs) Like you know, zombie Obama's a crazy thing. Zombie Sotero or whatever.
2: (laughs) I gotta say, do you think, Tom, that after a certain point? you're saying this Obama boogeyman over and over and over again. And he clearly isn't doing anything. He's right. not, he's not been power. He's not doing anything. Once in a while, he'll put out a tweet about gun control, yeah, right. you know, nothing. I mean, nothing. He's not doing it's the opinion a, of a private at citizen. Yeah, at yeah, this point. He's not doing anything. Is there a moment where somebody in their audience stops and says, this sounds a lot like the boy who cried wolf. No, do like, you not think
1: so? Never. That will never happen for this audience. Never. They want this to be true, right? That's the problem is they don't think that this is true. They're not afraid that this might be true. They want these things to be true.
2: Do you think that, that, like, so Trump hasn't done anything so far that has been, that I've been like, Woo-hoo, right? So recently he had a talk where he said he was going to remove bump stocks right. and he was gonna also maybe change laws on how old you could be to buy certain types of weapons and things like that. In my opinion, my personal opinion, that's feel-good legislation. Right. I don't think that's gonna change body counts in the very least. No. I think it's I think that's feel-good legislation. Make us all feel like we're doing something, but it's really not gonna yield any real results. Not
1: unless we get rid of handguns. That's where that's almost yeah. all the fucking yeah, violence. Most is of done.
2: the violence yeah. is done yeah, with handguns. handguns. And to be perfect, honest, you know, like when people are talking about, you know, the, the assault weapon that happened, the assault weapon shoot him ups that happened right. recently just remember the Virginia tech guy. Cause he had pistols. He had double pistols and walked in and shot the shit out of a bunch of people, killed a ton of people with yep. double pistols. Now, granted, I feel like you probably have to spend a lot more time at the range, but it's not like these people don't spend time at the range. Right. Sure. So, I mean, it's like, this is a time that they're going to be willing to spend. So I don't feel like any of that legislation is a big deal. So I'm not going to be like, throwing up pom-poms for Trump for something, I don't think is that great. I don't think it's that big a deal, to be perfectly honest.
1: The only legislation that I've seen floating I and I think he he made a comment in this direction, which people got like, I kind of couldn't believe he made a comment in this direction, which was the, um, there, there are a certain number of states that have laws that enable the, the authorities to take your guns um, if they think that there's a yeah, credible yeah. reason to take your and guns. He said
2: do it first and then... Do and it the, first, ask questions later. Yeah, yeah. And, I, and I And like, that is the closest. What's funny
1: about that is... That's the closest thing to a gun ban or gun confiscation that has been floated. Ever said, ever said. Right. And it got floated by this guy. said And the thing is, I actually think that's more than feel good legislation. I think if there was a federal law that enabled federal authorities or gave the authority to state authorities to take guns away from people that were reported as being potentially violent, sure. who had not yet created or committed an act of violence, yeah. that could be a lot more. If you could serve a warrant on somebody because like this, like the guy who just committed the most recent mass shooting, right? There were lots of yeah. indicators that he was going to do that. Sure, absolutely. Many,
2: many. Yeah, and they ignored a lot of those. Yeah.
1: They ignored them. Yeah. So if somebody had been able to knock on his door, go into his house and take all his guns and ammo. Yeah. That's a big deal. Sure. If you know the drug dealer down the street has, you know, you have reason to believe that guy's fucking armed all the time and you can call somebody and they will show up and take all his fucking guns away. That could save some lives. If you know that you're you know uh, that that, Your de- that somebody depressed is depressed uncle, depressed yeah, uncle, or that somebody's abusing their wife yeah. and has guns in the house. Yeah, this could—that's how lives could be saved. Right. That could that could be much more than feel sure. good legislation.
2: Sure. This uh, the Secret Service did a uh, a um, survey after Columbine, and they found that most of the time there are ways to see ahead of time that gun violence is going to happen. Yeah. There are uh, there are things that you can see that that basically let us know that in the future there's very high likely of gun violence and so if we were to follow up on those things more often the problem is is you have the people on the other side the freedom people who are going to be the you know the the gun free people right. who are going to be screaming what's the you know what's the 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 thing that stops somebody from falsely reporting you and you know like there's, right. oh, there's absolutely. you know like there's yeah. there's all these people that will say that sort of right. thing and you know it's interesting because if you say anything bad about guns in this country, if you say anything about any kind of regulations on guns, you're immediately thrown into the the, the pot of people who think guns are not something that, you know, we should have here in this yeah. country at all. You know, like and then if you if you say anything pro about guns, you're also thrown again in that pot of people that are like super pro gun guns now, I do feel you know, just like Australia has, there's probably some reasons why someone legitimately could own a gun. I genuinely feel that. I also feel in this country that there's never ever going to be a way that we're going to be able to take guns away from citizens, period. I don't think that that's ever going to become a thing where we can can just say, no guns can be had unless you have, you know, this amount of training and whatever. Because when we talked to people in Australia, we went to Skepticon down there. There was a bunch of people that came up to talk to us. And I talked to three or four people and they said they had guns. They yeah. owned guns. Now they were for like varmints and shit like that. They couldn't, you know, they're not like, and, and these I,
1: people live very rarely,
2: but <clears throat> they, they do have guns. Those people do exist and they do have guns. So, you know, I, th- I feel like too out here in you know, in the States, there's people who live, you know, it's 50 minutes to an hour before a police officer can get to you. You know, should that person have access to a firearm in their home? I think so. You know, if it makes you feel better, it makes you sleep at night. It makes you, you know, you also, you know, probably should understand that you're probably more likely to kill yourself with that gun than you are to shoot somebody else. But it's still, you know, I mean, like, do I think that we should be going into people's homes and taking these guns? Maybe not. Maybe not. Right. But why aren't we doing why don't we even move to like a gun system like Canada where you can't leave the house with a gun, period, with it's loaded. You know, like no. you can't walk around with a loaded gun. We have places in the United States where you can walk around with an AR-15 on your back, loaded, ready to fire, one in the chamber. You can walk around in many, many places in this country with a, a gun on your hip as if you were old timey fucking cowboy.
1: Yep. There there are places in this country where you don't you need no licensing or certification to do that either. Yeah. You just you just walk into a store. Buy, gave him a money. Yeah, they hand you a gun. You put it in your pocket. That's the whole transaction. Yeah. Everything's legal. And, and
2: about so I, I feel like you know there. It's been the, com- the 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 comparison has been made many times to cars. We regulate cars well much more than we do guns. We you know require licensing and insurance on cars. We, you know it's it's a privilege. It's not a right, right. You know what I mean. And those sorts of things. Uh, you can get that, that privilege revoked from you. Um, or you can get the, you know, that, that privilege revoked from you. If you, you know, if you're a drunk driver many times, those sorts of things. So, you know, I feel like we need to be, uh, there needs to be some sort of something there that, that stops people from owning these guns well, and just like in mass, just having guns I, around. I know. I, I like the, at the very least to start,
1: I like the, the, the thing where you can take someone's guns. If you have a credible reason to, to believe like it has sure. to be investigated yeah. and they, they could get a warrant, they could seize your guns. I think there's there, you could put mechanisms into place yeah. to say this This is credible and here's how we establish the credibility of the claim that there may be a, a clear and present danger that's forthcoming or imminent. I think that that's a reasonable... Because, you know, what we do is we have this, like, narrative. this And it's it's a government-started narrative. And they say, like, if you see something, say something. And that sounds great. But if I see something and say something and you don't Nobody do anything... Nobody does anything. Yeah. Then there's no point in me saying it. It requires that third action. And, and very quickly what will happen is... People in mass will get the idea. They'll get the message that I saw something, said something, nothing was done. I'm never going to say anything again because it's pointless, right? We don't do things that are pointless. Those things actually are counter-effective over the long term. So we got to have laws. If if, if you're going to tell me, if you see something, say something. If you see something, say something. If you see something, say something. Then you got to fucking do something.
2: I got to tell you, an anecdotal version of that in my own experience, I've been behind people driving that I clearly look like they were drunk. Yeah. They they were weaving and I've called 911 maybe four times. Yeah. I've never had a single thing happen from that. Me too. I followed them me too. dozens yeah. of miles. And I said, I'm right behind this person. And I've had people on the phone with me be incredulous. So like be like, how do you know he's drunk? And I'm like, well, I don't know he's drunk, but I do know he's weaving all over the road and a danger to other drivers. That's what I do know. Right. And you should get an officer here to take care of it. Cause if I was doing this, I guarantee I'd be pulled over. And they, you know, like, like you, you just have this, right. you, it, like nothing is being done. Nobody cares. Well, I don't do it anymore. I yeah, just I know. pass I up. Stopped doing it years I just ago. speed up and just right. go
1: away from the person. Yep. I protect me. Yeah. Because I, but like, like we can, you know, the, the problem is like, we, we have a system in place that waits for the crime to happen. Yeah. And then, you know, we punish the person who committed the crime. We find who did it and we punish them. And that's, and then we still, we should have that system. But I think like, there are reasons to believe, and I'm not talking about jailing people, but I'm saying like, let's take the tools of violence away from people. If we have a credible reason to think yeah. that they're an imminent danger to their community or their family or whatever. Yeah. Like you can do that. And I understand, I understand like why there would be pushback against that idea, but like,
2: and I think you just refine the law to make it try to work right. as best you can. You can't make everything work perfectly. You know what I mean? Like people always may be like, well, what about this? It's like, yeah, of course, certain things are going to f- f- scrape through and that happens, but make the law as good as you can. But we're not even
1: talking. And the thing is like, I don't think that the punitive issue here is that is that egregious, right? We're not talking about sending the wrong person to jail. No. What you're doing because is you're
2: saying we're taking away their guns. And what if they appeal
1: and they get them back? Right. And then it'd be a system to, to retrieve your weapon. So all it did is you, you just temporarily were without a gun. Yeah. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You to. want answers. I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. So this story comes from Gizmodo. Uh, National Geographic just sent me a crystal healing water bottle. Um, this is, this is pretty much what it sounds like. This is a bottle, like just like a, like a, you know, refillable bottle sure, that has some rocks in the bottom of it.
2: Yeah. There's some rocks, but they're not. Now let's not just say that the rocks are just dropped in their time. No, that would be haphazard. That would be. These rocks are placed in the bottle. And may I mention about these rocks very quickly that the bottle has, Carefully selected and ethically sourced gemstones representing the building blocks of Earth, including "quote unquote" wood, "quote unquote" water, "quote unquote" earth, "quote unquote" metal, "quote unquote" fire. You got earth, metal, and fire in there. <laughs> well, earth. They didn't well, have wind. They left that, wind out. That though, makes so. sense. If they got earth, uh,
1: metal, and fire in there, then earth, wind, and fire in there. That well, they makes didn't sense. Get wind in there.
2: They didn't get wind they in there. Wind. There's no wind. Well, I guess it's just earth and fire. Wind quit the band.
1: <laughs> so, <laughs> I was but, gonna say because they they warn you not to drink it. Yeah, if the if the if the stones get in touch, yeah, it will make it cause, funky because
2: they're current. Uh, it will be funky, absolutely. It's currently in a little bubble. Well, they have several different iterations yeah. of
1: this thing, so they have because look at the brochure. On the sure. brochure. They've got like a giant like I'm in a hotel, it's a carafe, like dispenser, yeah, right, yeah, yeah. So like that's like malt, oh got- yeah, they got a they got a
2: spigot dispenser, right. a carafe, and then an actual water
1: bottle. Now the carafe appears to have a butt plug of rocks in
2: it. That is a <laughs> yeah, very absolutely shapy thing is, of rocks. That is absolutely ribbed for her. pleasure. <laughs>
1: I'll tell you what, that does not appear to be the starter model yeah, though. That's that, like a varsity no, that level. That is
2: absolutely plug. the, uh, the plug that you get when the other one is falling out. I,
1: I'll say this too. Same rule applies. If the glass breaks, do
2: not touch the stones. And if the glass breaks, that is an emergency. Yeah, Do not so- drink the water. <laughs>
1: That's that not a, Yeah. You don't actually
2: someone. have to break the glass in a case of an emergency. You know it's an emergency. You just know. You just inherently know it's is an this, emergency. Is this broken glass yeah.
1: in my rectum in emergency? You said nobody ever. <laughs> yes. So the pamphlet, I think it'd be fun to read some of the claims. Yeah, um, for sure. So yeah. the pamphlet with this fucking piece of shit says that everything in nature vibrates. Gems naturally act like a source of subtle vibrations. Unlike what? earthquakes, I guess, which act as a form of <laughs> that's, like that's really v- overt vibrations, that's vigorous vibrations. <laughs> I love this next sentence. This next sentence: "These vibrations in spirit water." That is a verb I have never heard before. In spirit, <laughs> to put more spirit within. I guess I'm in spirit. How much spirits in here? Well, it hasn't been in
2: spirit. Yeah, in, it's not been in spirit in for spiritized. a while. Yeah.
1: Inspiration. No, anyway. Hey, that's close. Yeah, right. Yeah. These vibrations in spirit water, making it more lively and enjoyable. I want my water to chill the fuck out. <laughs> I don't ever want my water. To be—that's a goldfish yeah. in your water. I want
2: my—I—I I want my water ice cube cold. You're Absolutely. drinking the aquarium if yeah. your water is lively.
1: You just got <laughs> <laughs> to like there's like those little sea monkeys in there <laughs> <just> <laughs> drinking away lively. I mean, uh, has this ever happened to you? Ugh, this water isn't enjoyable at all. Did, did anybody rub a crystal on yeah.
2: it? Is there any way it's I can get a life any, straw? <laughs> <laughs> not anybody <even> any vibrations? <laughs> You know, and, and the thing, the reason why this is interesting is because recently the National Geographic has undergone a change in ownership. Um, the company that owns Fox bought National Geographic, and they, uh, I recently, I have it in my hand, I bought this at the uh, at the supermarket I was going yeah. through, and uh, the National Geographic, I'm going to read the titles, 50 Most Influential Figures of the Bible, which uh, <laughs> was interesting, and you work your way through, and there's, you know, and some people did when I posted this on my Facebook page, a couple of people had said, yeah, you know, I think that there could be people who you could argue could be influential from the Bible, and I understand the argument, I understand what they're saying, academically I understand but at the same time you're like look it's all made up Yeah. You know what I mean? It's all that's like being like the 50 most influential wands from Harry Potter. (laughs) Like, like that's it's all made up. Like it's just what a person thought of. Like, I understand that there are real people that were, you know, littered throughout biblical history, but there's also a lot of made-up people in biblical history, too. Right. And and the same thing is true with this. This is interesting because on one hand, they're reaching toward a very conservative audience, National Geographic is, but on the other hand, we own the woo. I mean the left, oh, yeah. the left and the the people that are, you know, mostly liberal, they own the woo. I mean the woo is absolutely the woo, I think, does cross all there's a cross contamination, but there's a lot more in the By and large, camp. when we're talking yeah. about
1: numbers, yeah, the fucking Psychic healings and crystal balls, guys. Yeah, absolutely, those are yeah. those tend to be the the fucking crunchy granola far left yeah. bullshit nonsense. And this
2: appeals to them, right? And it's an interesting, you know, back and forth that's going on. But it's clearly not scientific. It's clearly not something well, that I think that everybody sort of understood National Geographic to stand for. Both of these things seem to fly in the face of that. Well, and it,
1: it's 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 particularly egregious because it, it uses language. It's like you know. Scientists all agree that you can, you know, rub wax on the water, and and then they quote that fucking Japanese guy who screams at the water, he screams and then, at rice or whatever, he
2: just he yells, yells at the water ship. to see that it yeah. changes molecular, yeah, yeah exactly. Shape. Like and this it, is and anger then, water, yeah. and, and then, this then it is, changes color and whatever, right? Yeah, yeah, and it's it like that's that is so discredited. He's the guy from that uh, what the bleep do we know movie? Yeah, that's right. where that's where I heard about him. I didn't know right. about him beforehand, yeah. but it's 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 utter tripe. Yeah. It's just
1: it's it's garbage. And so
2: did that lady sign language really angrily at the water in there? Is that that how she did it? I don't remember. She just
1: shook it. That's
5: how you sign language angry. You just (laughs) shake the shit out of whatever. I am angry with you. I am reading your body. Okay.
1: (laughs) Yeah. But like there, it's, it, it's, it's problematic that like something like national geographic lends it credibility, right? Right. That is, it's, it's, it's problematic, but that's, it's equally problematic that national geographic knowing that print medium is dying has probably done market studies and market share research to know that this is the kind of shit their people want. Yeah. Because they don't send this garbage out for no reason. It wasn't like, well, guys, it could be this or a sexton. Yeah. You know,
2: like they picked this for a reason because this is the kind of shit the audience wants. You know, uh, one thing they did was they reached out to National Geographic to see if there was if they would respond and do anything like that. And this article has been updated and I want to read the update out loud. Update 4.45 p.m. (laughs) I followed the directions and the water tastes exactly the same. (laughs) So that's going to wrap it up for today. We don't have an email section because we, uh, we wound up recording this on a weekend. Um, We were, we had to schedule with, uh, with Dave on a weekend. So, uh, so we don't have an email section right now. We're going to have email when we come back uh, next week. Um, If you want to find out any information on American atheists, or if you want to find out how to go to the conference, check this week's show notes. That's, that's episode 404. And you can find out all the information to find Dave and, All the stuff that he had mentioned, all the conference stuff that he had mentioned, uh, we will link to it in this week's show notes. But that's going to wrap it up for this week. We want to thank David Silverman from American Atheist for coming on and joining us. Uh, He's a wonderful guest uh, and a great guy to talk to. But we are going to leave you like we always do with the Skeptic's Creed. Credulity is not
5: a virtue. It's fortune cookie cutter mommy issue hypno Babylon bullshit.